feel stuck, tired of wrestling with shame, insecurity, and hiding your flaws? Friend, I've been there, and it's time to come out of hiding. God wants to meet you in the middle of your big, hot mess. I'm Kimberly Stokes, and I'm on mission to help real women just like you get unstuck and meet Jesus in all the ordinary moments. Find me on Instagram at Kimberly K. Stokes or my business website, connectcoach.co. Ephesians 3.20 says God can do far more than you could ever imagine. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Welcome to today's episode, my friend. It's entitled Move Forward Imperfectly. And I'm really excited to share with you today because I sense many of us are dealing with this topic in some form or fashion. And I hope today's show will inspire you to make powerful choices, to take action and to initiate some forward motion or change in an area that really matters to you. Sometimes we want to experience change and breakthrough, but we feel stuck and immobilized. So for starters, I want to ask, what is it that you've been wanting to do, but are too afraid to do? What have you been talking yourself out of that you need to start talking yourself into? I want you to hear me today. You do not have to be perfect, nor do circumstances have to be perfect for you to go for it. The stars don't have to be perfectly aligned, and you don't have to have all your ducks in a row in order to move forward in this area of life. So as we discuss moving forward imperfectly and the necessity of imperfect action on our journey towards growth, change, and wholehearted living, I just want to say from the outset, I am not talking about striving. So the process that we're discussing today, this is not motivated by an effort to prove yourself. Uh, and there's no, there's no level of striving in what I'm talking about today. We're going to focus on a specific area that you want to make forward motion in, but we're coming at it from a heart position of rest and a healthy desire for change, so not striving. With that being said, I have a question. What would you describe as an area in your life that you'd really like some forward motion? I sense for some of you that's going to be tapping into a dream that's related to your destiny. Um, For others, it's going to be something simple and practical. It might even be like as simple and practical as making a shift to exercise regularly, or maybe for some of you it's relational, choosing to move towards your spouse, taking steps towards increased intimacy and away from offense, or you know, changing some negative patterns, creating some more positive patterns in your relationship with your spouse. For others of you, it might be you just really want to develop consistency in your relationship with Jesus. And then I feel like for some others of you, some of you guys have business ideas, but you've been paralyzed and you feel scared to take a risk and begin. So those are just some examples of what your thing, in air quotes, might be. But it's an area that you want to move forward in, an area that you desire to make and initiate some level of progress or change in your life. So what does that look like for you? In your current season of life, do you readily know what your thing is? I want to encourage you that there is hope for change, that you can grow in this area, and more importantly, you can dare to change, not just hope to change. But change requires action. Change requires risk. 
It requires tapping into the powerful person that God created you to be. And no matter how deeply we connect with God, He's never going to force us to do anything. He invites us into action. He invites us into partnership. And He continually invites us into growth. Implementing change on any level in our lives, it's it's a means of growth. In part of today's show, we're going to discuss the beauty of imperfect action as we get really practical in making forward motion and movement into your thing. And as we, I'm going to call it your thing today. And as I do, it just, it reminds me of like that Dr. Seuss book where there was thing one and thing two. So you may have one thing or you may have a couple of things that you want to take some forward action in. But for now, just try to zero in as I'm sharing in this podcast and apply it to one area in your life that you'd really like to make change and make some forward motion. To start off with, I want to look at the definition of change. To change, it means to make different. It means to alter or to modify. So to create any level of change in your thing, whether that's starting a business, a new ministry, making dietary changes by creating new eating habits, it might be seeking increased intimacy in your marriage, making efforts to create community and develop deeper friendships, whatever your thing. But to make change means to make it different, to alter or to modify what's existing. And that means it requires you to make different choices. It requires me to make different choices. So to alter or modify my thing, I get to make new choices. It's not a have to, it's I get to. To alter, change, or modify your thing, you get to make new choices. There's a saying that I use a lot in um, in coaching. It says, if we keep doing what we've always done, we'll keep getting what we always got. And that is so true. And change in one area, let's say for the sake of simplicity, just um, if you want to eat clean or more healthy and cut back on junk food, to make changes in this area, it requires not only that we make different behavioral choices, like what we put in our mouth, it requires that we change our thought life towards what we eat, maybe make some adjustments and tweaks in our attitude towards food, towards eating, towards health, as well as being aware of how our emotions can affect what we eat and why we eat. Excuse me, especially in regards to emotional eating. So in regards to your thing, be aware of what changes in your behavior, in your thought life, in your attitude, and even in your emotions um, need to happen. So just I want to say that kind of as a, at the outset, being aware making a change, even something simple like exercise or changing your diet or consistency with Jesus, being aware of these different areas of change and where we might need to make some tweaks can can help from the outset. And a fact is, positive change, it can be met with some level of resistance because by nature we're creatures of habit. So to move forward and initiate change in our thing, we can choose to embrace some new habits. And it's almost like setting out a welcome mat for this forward motion in life. Like you're like, I am in alignment with this. I'm choosing this and I want this. To create change and forward motion in our thing, there are a few giants that we're going to face along the way. And I want to address four giants that we, we tend to face. And the first giant is the giant of small thinking. The giant of small thinking is resistant to change and is really comfortable with the status quo. 
when we come face to face with a giant of small thinking, we, we think or hear things in our head like, well, who am I to blah, blah, blah. Oh, I could never, you know, whatever that thing is. I've got nothing to offer others or I'm not as gifted as her. My voice sucks or I'm not a good mother like, you know, fill in the blank, whomever your best friend is. But the giant of small thinking frequently uses comparison, comparing ourselves to others, to someone who's smarter than us, more equipped, more anointed, more charismatic. She might be more level-headed, less selfish, maybe more stable emotionally. But comparison is birthed from small thinking. And the enemy loves when we live in alignment with this kind of thinking because his job is so easy. If we're already convinced that we're the least qualified person to do our thing, whatever that may be, the enemy's like, he's got us. I want to say, if you have the desire to change the world and to make it a better place, that's because God put that desire in your heart. He created you to change the world and he wants to partner with you using your unique gifts, your personality, your flair, your passions, and he wants to paint the world the colors of heaven. Steve Jobs says, the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. So give yourself permission to be crazy. If you're crazy enough to want to change the world, be bold enough to take some risks and move in that direction. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And to change the world doesn't always mean fame or fortune. I truly believe we change the world in small and intangible ways as we intentionally show up in our very real, very ordinary lives. In your current sphere of influence, God is calling you to partner with Him to change the world. But small thinking, it manifests in belittling our sphere of influence. For example, it could just be, well, I'm just making a difference at my company or I'm I'm not really changing the world. I'm just being a mom. I'm not doing anything important. I'm just blah, blah, blah. So small thinking, it really minimizes the impact we're having in our sphere of influence. So watch out for those, well, I'm just blah, blah, blah. Watch out for those I'm just statements. You are making a difference. As you impact the people that you're with day in and out, no matter how small the numbers, you are impacting the world and you're making a difference. In what way are you allowing the giant of small thinking to kick your butt? Maybe you don't work out because historically you've struggled with your weight and you feel so intimidated to even start another workout regimen Maybe you're holding back on starting a Bible study or some other area of leadership because you feel intimidated, which evidences listening that you've been listening to that giant of small thinking. Instead, I'm going to challenge us to listen to the big, big God who resides inside of us. Practical application for dealing with this giant of small thinking is identify his tactics, which I've just given you some. So write in your journal some of the tactics that this giant of small thinking uses. In what ways do you partner with his thoughts in your mind? In how you see or perceive yourself? Do you minimize your thing with statements like, I just blah, 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 or I don't really have anything to offer? You know, those kinds of statements are really a slap in the face to God. So let's stop agreeing 
with the giants of small thinking. Whenever you just encounter this, this giant in your thoughts, recognize that you can silence that voice. You don't have to listen to it and you don't have to heed the thoughts of the giant of small thinking. You can choose to trust God, to believe that God wants to use you to change the world and that God can help you reach your goal of your thing, whatever that is. Healthy eating, breakthrough in marriage, starting a ministry, whatever your thing may be. So beware of the giant of small thinking. The next one is a giant of, I'm going to call it the giant of victimhood or a victim identity. And you don't have to be a victim in all areas. This could be sometimes just in the way we view our thing. So in regards to your thing, what is your mindset towards this area of life? What's your attitude? Think about that for a minute. It's super important to be aware of because our mindset towards our thing, it impacts every area of that thing. So how do you perceive your thing? How do you feel about it emotionally? Are you willing to invest in it in terms of your time, your money, your energy, your efforts? And most importantly, do you view it from a victor perspective or from a victim perspective? Do you have a victim mindset in the area towards your thing? So how you choose to look at a problem, how you frame that problem in your mindset, it totally affects how you're going to respond to it. And I want to say feeling like a victim absolutely sucks. I've been there. <laughs> I've felt like a victim to eating disorder. I've felt like a dep- victim to depression. Um, I felt like a victim to health issues and sickness at times. There was even a season where I felt like a victim to porn and jealousy. But I've got good news for you. Jesus, who's the ultimate victor, he lives in you. And he offers you all of his fullness via his Holy Spirit. And this is the kicker. Do you realize the devil knows that you're a victor? Think about that. The devil knows you're a victor, but he works overtime to convince you that you're a victim. Isn't that a little crazy? Like seriously, I've been there. I have received and I have believed the lies of the enemy, hook, line, and sinker that I'm a victim. And it's such a crappy, hopeless place to be. I've tasted the fruit of the lies of the enemy and it's bitter and it's depressing. And if you know what I'm talking about, I want to encourage you to stop accepting, stop believing the lies of the enemy, stop embracing victimhood and begin to engage God to get his perspective on your issue. Choosing our mindset, bringing our thoughts into alignment and agreement with the thoughts of Jesus brings huge, huge shifts in our thoughts, in our emotions, and our behaviors. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish strongholds and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it's like the enemy offers us a tree to eat from, so to speak. Like it's full of lies, of victimhood, self-abasement. But God offers us a tree to eat from and it's full of truth and life. So it's really important to be aware of which tree we're eating from. Identify the tree you're eating from. Is it like feeling like a victim to alcoholism? Maybe unruly teenage kids and you just feel like I'm just stuck here for a season. There's nothing I can do. 
Maybe you're eating from the tree of feeling a victim to a bad marriage. Maybe it's an eating disorder or mental health issue like depression or anxiety. Whatever you're struggling with, we all struggle with situations that seem out of our control. And at times, it can feel heavy. It can feel really, really hopeless. And there are times when we're struggling with that. Get help. If you need help and you're in a season like that, get help. But I want to encourage you, do not eat from the tree of victimhood. No matter how difficult your situation, viewing yourself as a victim is not empowering. Viewing yourself as a victor is really, really empowering. Obviously, we can't always control what happens to us, but we can always control how we respond to what's happening. And that's where our power lies. I've shared in previous podcasts how in my long, drawn-out struggle with depression, I finally experienced a measure of breakthrough as I learned to respond to depression in a different way. And it's not just semantics. It was truly a mindset shift, a mindset shift that really enabled me to not only endure that season, but to begin to truly regain little bits of joy in the midst of a really dark place. So instead of eating from the tree of victimhood, which is teeming with lies of the enemy to keep us stuck, to keep us bummed out, what would happen if we begin to feed on the truth of God's word? We can feed on his spoken word and we can also um, feed on his written word. So written word obviously is the Bible. Spoken word would be asking him about your thing and getting God's perspective, taking a risk, writing down what you sense he's saying, and then beginning to claim his written word and his spoken word about your thing, the thing you want to get forward motion or movement in. So side note, so outside of your thing that we're talking about today, are you unhappy with some aspect of your life? Is, is there a specific area in your life that's troubling you? And probably most of us have at least one or more of these areas in our lives. But if so, even in regards to that, any area where you're troubled, it might not have been the thing that you identified with the questions I asked early on in the podcast, but just an area that you're unhappy I'm going to encourage you. Do you have a victim mindset in this area? Or do you have the mindset of a victor? As we eat of God's tree, as we ingest his word, as we spend time listening to his voice, we're empowered by his spirit who lives and dwells in us. And he is the ultimate victor. Jesus empowers us to see that challenge, that trouble, that situation from his perspective. So you can tap into the superpower, and it really is, it's a supernatural source. It's not a fictional story like Thor or Captain America. The Holy Spirit is your superpower. Listen to James 1 verses 2 through 4. When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power, supernatural power, within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection or maturity into every part of your being until there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. So whether it's your thing one or thing two or just an area in your life that you're unhappy with, that you want foreign motion, know that the, the enemy wants you to feel like a victim. He wants you to get stuck in apathy. 
But God wants you to stop agreeing with the enemy and start doing life with him. Every aspect of your life surrendered to him so that in your thinking, in your perceiving, you see yourself as the victor that he says you are. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, I love this verse. says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So friend, I encourage you, you can be courageous. You can hope for change. You can dare to change as you actively partner with God in your thing. So is it time for you to make some changes? Is it time to stop waiting and get proactive with your thing? Maybe it might be with your marriage that you can show up in love and compassion and forgiveness. It might be that you begin to show up sexually and engage your husband to seek increased connection and stop pulling back or being apathetic. I want to say wishing and waiting, they do very little to really bring about change. Whether that's in marriage or in any part of life. Now, I want to say caveat here. If God has called you to a season of rest, then by all means rest. Wait on him. Let him grow you. Let your trust grow. Let him grow your character or whatever he wants to do. But apart from God calling us to that a certain season of rest, many times I think wishing and waiting, it's just like we're just like hoping someday something's going to change. And rarely does that happen and wishing and waiting lulls us into complacency. It keeps us from being proactive. It keeps us from actually showing up. So practical application of dealing with the giant of victimhood is get God's perspective on your thing. Agree with him in your mindset. Be intentional in your thought life to not think in alignment with the enemy, but rather intentionally let your thoughts be in alignment with your Heavenly Father. Let go of the wishing and waiting fantasy. You can make powerful choices. You can show up in your own life. Your marriage won't magically get better. It takes effort and intention. It requires you to show up, to have some difficult convos, to learn to engage God in the moment by moment of family life. Basically, you can choose to partner with God instead of dreamily wishing and waiting that someday change is going to magically appear. Embrace your power of choice. If you tend to struggle with some area of victimhood in regards to your thing, create a short list of declarations with the Lord that address it and start each day reminding yourself what God says, what His perspective is towards your thing. I've done this so many times in my life and it is such a blessing. It empowers us and reminds us that we're not a victim, but that we're a victor. And that God is growing us in this challenge. He's growing us in grace. And that we're partnering with him intentionally. And just because you've gotten your butt kicked by the devil in the past, you don't have to stay in that place. So you can be intentional to speak life over yourself through daily declarations. It's it's just a home run. So I encourage you to do that. Okay, another giant that we face as we try to make change in our lives, it's the giant of fear. And specifically, I'm talking about the fear of failure. And this is so real. As much as we all want success, many of us actually fear failure way more than we desire success in any given area. And the giant of fear that roars can paralyze us to not try, 
to not risk, and to not look stupid. So the giant of fear focuses on all the possibilities that could go wrong, that you'll look stupid, that you're probably going to fail anyway, so why try? And the, this fear, this isn't just about like success in your career or in ministry. This can also happen in relationships too. If, oh, you know, you were deeply hurt by your spouse and if your thing is to move towards your partner and create intimacy and increased connection in marriage, that giant of fear can roar and tell you, don't trust your husband, tries to get you to focus on the fear and put up walls and not make steps towards change that could actually bring shifts in your marriage. So embracing change requires a new level of action and risk on our part. And this requires us to tap into the powerful person that God has created us to be and to face our giant, this giant, the fear of failure. There's a quote by Winston Churchill that I saw a friend of mine actually posted on her story um, a day or so ago. And it says, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And I'm like, dang, Winston Churchill was on it when he said that. That is an anointed statement right there. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. So in terms of dealing with the giant of fear, um, specifically the fear of failure, a couple of years ago when God gave me the idea of starting my own business to actually get paid to coach and to minister and pull on my expertise and training as a therapist, starting a business, it seemed to me like a huge risk because it required a lot of action on my part. There were lots of hard things I had to do and there was no guarantee that my business was going to take off. And I think probably one of the scariest things was I had to sign, like, I think it was a year lease for the office I rented, which was scary and it certainly wasn't cheap. So there was like this big financial, you know, commitment on my end that if this business goes bust, I'm still going to have to pay this lease and we'll actually be losing money. And side note, that really doesn't matter, but I loved my office building. I often officed out of spaces in Plano, Texas. And if you are in the, you know, Plano or North Dallas area and you need an office, it's such a remarkable setup, the spaces in Plano, um, the one off 75. It was just, it was my fave. So I missed my office. Um, I actually started officing out of my home office a few months ago to save some money, but I'm also loving that. My point is, it required action. It required risk on my part to commit and say, I'm going for it. And I developed my website. I got all the paperwork done to create an LLC for my business. I just did lots of hard things along the way. And I learned a ton. But I did it. So I took the risk. It it has been a success. And I'm loving it. And it's not only been deeply rewarding on a personal and professional level, And it's just been so rewarding to help people with their healing and, you know, just increased emotional healing and recovery from trauma. It's actually been financially rewarding to our family. But none of that would have happened if I wouldn't have been willing to take this huge risk coupled with steps of imperfect action and simply try. If I would have cowered to the giant of the fear, the giant fear of failure, it wouldn't have happened. 
There's a quote that I ran across recently from an unknown source, and it says, if nothing ever changed, there'd be no butterflies. And just as butterflies undergo a process of metamorphosis, like they move from egg to caterpillar to the chrysalis, and then the butterfly, they change and they grow in each stage. And we too are in constant process. So embracing healthy change, it's so empowering. Yeah, it's really scary. I realize that, but it's beautifully empowering. Today, I see the Lord moving and breathing on some ideas, some dreams and desires that have been dormant in your spirit for a while. And it's like I see, like, do you know that movie in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie where Aslan breathes on the statues and they come back to life? They're like these hard stone statues and they've just been stuck in stillness for so long. And then as he breathes on them, they move from being immobilized to coming back to life. And that's what I see. I see the Lord breathing over you to D. I see him just like his breath. And I see him as he breathes over your relationships, over the dreams in your heart, over your destiny. I see you awakening to God's purposes, to his plans, to his processes for you. So as the breath of God hits your heart, the giant of fear is obliterated. So practical application for dealing with this giant is recognize any way that fears, specifically the fear of failure, that it's paralyzed you. Ultimately, it isn't the outcome of the success or failure that determines our success. It's our growth, the growth in our hearts and the growth in our relationships with God and others. So failure isn't necessarily a bad thing. Certainly not a fun thing, right? I hate it. But it's not bad. And the more I read about successful people who are entrepreneurs or inventors or evangelists, people who changed the world, the more I become aware they didn't allow the fear of failure to stop them from trying. And they all share ways that they grew through their failures. So the ultimate remedy for fear, it's trust. It's trusting in God. We can trust God with our thing. We can trust God with our ultimate success or failure of our business, our career, our ministry, our marriage, our family. Psalm 56.3 says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So deal with the giant of fear. Don't just let it roar and be victim to the giant of fear. The last giant we're going to touch on is the giant of perfection. And note, you do not have to be a perfectionist for this giant to trip you up in your thing. The giant of perfection holds us back when we want to move forward, but we feel like we can only move forward when we're certain our thing is going to work, or when our website is just right, or when all the stars are in alignment, and when we don't have excuses, or when our kids are older, or when we have more money, blah, blah, blah whatever the excuse, we often don't move or take action steps because if we tried right now, we think it would be too lame. I mean, let's be honest. We feel like, oh, it's not good enough or I'm not good enough or I don't have the time to give it right now. But I want to share a quote that really beautifully addresses this giant of perfection. It says, imperfect action beats perfect inaction every time. Boom. That's so right. Imperfect action beats perfect inaction every time. So whatever your something is that you want movement or breakthrough in, I bet it's going to require some level of risk, some step of imperfect action or movement on your part. And this is the deal. 
And honestly, this is something I am still growing in and it's still kind of scary for me, but imperfect action is such a vital key to growth, to breakthrough, and to success. So question, do you sometimes not take action because it's not quite good enough? Maybe there's a standard of perfection that you have and the lack between what you've got to offer and your desire for perfection that maybe immobilize you or keep you from taking action. And I'm just going to say, oof, I feel this one so hard. I still struggle with this at times. So why do we want to wait until it's perfect? You know, for me, there are things, I have so many dreams in my heart, things that I want to do. I am the queen of dreams and big ideas. But then I wait and I, I, it's the, the implementing that I get stuck. And then sometimes as I begin to implement, there's this like, oof, well, this isn't good enough or it's not right enough or it's, you know, whatever. But it's learning to launch, learning to stay, take steps of imperfect action in the midst of it and grow as I go. It's freeing, but it's also so challenging. Um, I have a friend who she's had a dream in her heart for many years to have a nonprofit ministry. And we had lunch, I don't know, a few months ago. And she was talking about, I'm just going, I feel like God is saying to take some steps. So basically she started taking some steps of imperfect action. She had no idea exactly when she's going to launch or how it's going to work, but she's moving towards it. And I'm so proud of her. It's really interesting If you study successful people, leaders in their industry, successful entrepreneurs, you'll find a common thread. And that is they were all willing to take imperfect action and then course correct as needed. So think about big companies like Apple or Microsoft. That's how they get things done. That's how they are leaders in their industry. It's all about imperfect action. They release a product knowing it's not perfect, but the whole time behind the scenes, their development team is working on the bugs. They're working on the fixes. They're sending out updates. They may have released an imperfect product, but they continue to refine the software as time goes on. Look at it this way. If they waited until everything was perfect before releasing it, it would be years before they rolled out anything new. They wouldn't even be able to compete in the marketplace that way. So what's the application for our lives? What's the application for this season of your life? Where do you want and need to move forward in imperfect action? When you start a business, a ministry, or any new thing that you're leading, it requires us to take imperfect action. We have to be willing to let go of some of that control and our desire for perfection. That's one of the practical applications of dealing with this giant. So do you have a business idea? Maybe you want to make a relational shift. Maybe you feel called to ministry, but you're scared to step out. Maybe you've dreamed of starting your own podcast to minister to other women. Maybe it's writing a book for moms of special needs children. It might be something as simple as starting a Bible study in your neighborhood. It might be getting in shape, just leading a more active lifestyle. But you have so many excuses. What are you waiting on? How perfect does it have to be before you choose to make some steps of imperfect action? I encourage you, just do it. Faith is all about knowing your purpose. And we've got to embrace this fear of failure, the fear of the unknowns, and choose to jump anyway. You don't have to be the best to start. And you'll grow as you take 
imperfect action steps day by day and course correct on your path, on your journey. If you're truly acting on your God-given purpose and design and you're utilizing your unique talents and passions, you will grow in this process as you just take baby steps of imperfect action. So what is it you've been afraid to do? You've been wanting to do it, but you've just been afraid. What have you been talking yourself out of that you need to start talking yourself into? You do not have to be perfect and your circumstances don't have to be perfect for you to go for it. One more thing, beware. The more you let go of your perfectionism and recklessly pursue your purpose, the more free you'll become. You'll become more free to risk and to allow yourself to take imperfect action in pursuit of your goal or your dream. So some other practical applications to deal with this giant of perfection is give yourself the freedom to do it poorly. Let go of perfectionistic, unrealistic standards. You don't have to be the best to get started. You're going to learn and grow as you go. Just like Nike says, just do it. Embrace the journey of growth rather than seeking a destination of success. And I think that was really important to embrace that journey, the growth journey and the process rather than having this long term, well, it's, you know, pie in the sky way down there. And it seems so improbable that that will ever happen. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So let's celebrate our baby steps. If you tend to struggle with perfectionism before you, let's say if you're going to launch a a podcast or a business or some sort of a website, get feedback from a trusted friend or two who you know that they'll be honest with you. Like, is this website I've created, is this acceptable to launch? I know it's not perfect, but is it acceptable? And listen to their feedback. Trust them. When we bring others into our thing and let them journey with us, pray with us, and cheer us on, it's so vital. And that's a part of, I think, living out the kingdom is bringing others into our thing. So whatever your thing is, thing one or thing two, I want to encourage you, move forward. Break it down into bite-sized pieces. And that is a great first step. And then move forward. That statement just reminded me of the song in the musical. Um, I think it's in Newsies. Now is the time to seize the day. I hear I hear that song going through my head right now. Now is the time to seize the day. So people underestimate their capacity for change. And there's there's never like the perfect time to change, to do a hard thing. So let's be intentional. We can do hard things. We can live intentionally and we can impact the world as we partner with God minute by minute. Choosing imperfect action is going to give us traction and momentum to move forward. So be intentional. Seize the day. As you face the giants of small thinking, as you face the giant of the victim mindset, as you face the giant of fear and the giant of perfection, know that you, my friend, are powerful and you can take steps, baby steps, small steps of imperfect action. Know that I'm rooting for you. That's a wrap for today's show. Until next time. Friend, I'm so glad you joined me for today's show. If you need help navigating through your emotions, relationships, past trauma, or just getting that breakthrough, you can find me online at connectcoach.co. I offer in-person and virtual sessions, so check it out. I'd be honored to partner with you. I'm so glad we're on the journey together.